Well, we are here tonight not because it's the cultural thing to do merely together on Christmas Eve, uh, not because we had spare time to kill during this season. We are here because, as Paul said earlier, to celebrate one of the greatest truths ever known to man, that God has become a man and dwelt among us. And we're here to celebrate that tonight. Uh, As a church family, for the past several weeks, we've been in the middle of a series entitled Advent. And Advent means the coming. Uh, We have looked back at the coming of the Lord Jesus, and we've looked ahead to the reality that He is coming again. By the way, that's good news, right? He is coming again. And our goal has been very simple, and here's our goal tonight. Here's my prayer for you tonight. I know there's a thousand things going through your mind. I I know in a room like this, it's Christmas Eve, and you're you're worried, did I get enough presents? Are they going to like the presents? Did I turn the stove off? Is the food going to be enough? Are my kids going to behave? Is Pastor Mike going to preach too long? All those things are going through your mind. I know that. I can assure you Pastor Mike's not going to preach too long. I can't guarantee the other ones. I can guarantee you if you haven't, finished your Christmas shopping, it's too late. It's over. Amazon cannot deliver in one hour. I'm sorry. But our goal tonight for you through song and through the Word of God and through the gathering of God's people is very simply this. I want nothing to dazzle you during this season more than Jesus Christ Himself. More than the singing, more than the song, more than the gifts, and I love all of it more than all the things that go into this season. I want you to be able to leave here in just a few minutes from now and what you are thinking and what's going through your head and what you're celebrating. Maybe you've come to realize something for the very first time as a result of being here tonight, but I pray and I hope you leave in just a few minutes and nothing dazzles you like the person of King Jesus. That's our hope and our prayer. So I invite you to take your Bible and open up to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. We're going to walk through something that's quite familiar to most of us. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you in the seat pocket. If you, I guess if you're short a gift, you could take that Bible and put it in a gift bag for somebody. I don't know if you're desperate, but that's our gift to you, that Bible, if you need one. But open up to Luke chapter 2 and verse 6 or 8 around in that area is when we're going to begin. Just a moment. I want to to again set the context for what we're getting ready to read so you'll understand what we're getting ready to read, the historical significance of it, what was going on. As we read this account in Luke, the Romans are in control of the world at this time. The Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus has issued a decree that everyone in the Roman Empire must return to their hometown to be taxed and to register for the census. Bethlehem is the setting. It's a small village on the backside of nowhere. A young teenage girl named Mary with her betrothed husband named Joseph have just completed the 70-mile journey. 70 miles. On horseback or muleback or however they got there. They didn't have public transit. They have crossed a long way 
through very rough terrain, she is, as the Bible says, and all the ladies can say, oh, she is great with child. 70 miles, great with child. They arrive in Bethlehem. And here's where the story picks up. Verse 6 is where we'll begin. The Bible says this, While they were there, the days were completed for her, this is Mary, to give birth. It's time for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths. Now, make note of that. Does it say she wrapped him in clothes? This is not from the gift registry at Target. He doesn't have the nice new outfits. He's wrapped in whatever they could find. The Bible says just cloths. They found somewhere, evidently. Maybe they had to rip their own clothes. We don't know. Here's the Son of God, the King of Kings, born in a manger, a feeding trough, wrapped in cloths. He was laid in a manger. Some translations say a feeding trough. That's very accurate. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Many of you are very familiar with the story. Here's Mary and Joseph. They've traveled 70 miles from Nazareth. They've arrived in Bethlehem. They go door to door. Mary is great with child. It's obvious that it's soon she's going to be having a baby. All the rooms are full, probably because of the census. They're knocking on doors. Nobody lets them in. Finally, somebody comes to them and says, Hey, I've got a place you can spend the night. I can go back here in my barn, my manger, where the cattle are. Now, you may be city folk, and this is gray Tennessee. I think most of you know what a barn is and a feeding trough. And if you've ever been in an active barn, it's not a glamorous place, right? It, weird noises, weird smells, it's nasty. There's not a woman in this room who dreams of having her firstborn child in a barn. And that's where Mary and Joseph find themselves. Now, one of the great things about this story that has occurred to me over the past few weeks is when you read this and you are aware of the chaotic scene, it's chaos. I mean, Joseph has to be panicking. He's trying to take care of his wife. Mary's panicking. She knows the baby is coming. It's chaos in Bethlehem. They can't find anywhere to stay. The cows are doing what the cows do. It just looks like this disordered, chaotic event. Here's what I want you to know tonight. According to Galatians chapter 4, the Bible says this, But in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. Meaning, what looks to us as chaos occurs within the perfect sovereign plan of God Almighty. Perfect time, perfect location, perfect place. God for all of human history, now get this, for all of human history has been orchestrating the events that according to Galatians, when the fullness of time came, at the exact moment in redemptive history, God says, now's the time. And everything came into perfect fulfillment just as God desired it. Here's what I want you to know. I said this to our Johnson City campus last week. 
I don't know what your year 2016's looked like. We don't know what 2017 looks like. As a child of God, there's going to be seasons. It looks chaotic. It looks messy. And it looks out of control. But we can rejoice that our God loves us with an absolute sovereign love. And there's got to be moments that you look back on. I'm sure Joseph and Mary had to look back on this moment. And in the moment, they're thinking, it's all unraveling. This is not the way I planned it. I'm going to have a baby in a barn. And yet here we are 2,000 years talking about it. And we're able to say, because of the sovereignty of our great God, in the fullness of time, just as God had determined it, you say, Caesar decreed this... uh, you know, decree for all the Roman world to be taxed. You know why Caesar made that decree? Because the sovereign God put it in his mind to do it. God loves us with a sovereign love. We see that unfolding here. So a baby is born. A baby is born in a barn. And in those days, kind of like today, when a, when a baby is born, it's cause for celebration. Parents in that day, they would actually hired a a herald, not a man named Harold, if your name's Harold, a herald who would declare, a baby's been born, a baby's been born, a baby's been born. The, the, the wealthier the family, you know, the more um, prestigious the herald was, or the more fanfare there was around the baby, kind of like what we do today. We would send out on Facebook, and parents... When they have their firstborn son or their baby, they'll send out cards. And, you know, it's a big deal. Listen, Mary and Joseph don't have enough money for bus fare. They ain't got no way to herald the announcement that their son has been born. God's going to take care of that for them. So you come to the next verse, and chapter 2, verse 8 says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the field, doing what shepherds do, keeping watch over their flock by night, right outside Bethlehem. Bethlehem was very close to Jerusalem geographically. Most of these shepherds were watching over flocks, probably for sacrifice in the temple. And here they are out in the field at night, doing simply what shepherds do. Verse 9, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, God is going to make an announcement of the birth of His Son, and He's going to do it through this angel. Now, most of us are familiar with this story, maybe. Most of you have even sung the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You you know the the role that the shepherds play. But I want to show you something that in this story, in our context, we just read right through it. We don't even get it. If you were to read it in that day, in that context, it's a scandalous reality. Here it is. Ready? The Messiah has come. The King is born. We're going to announce His birth. And here's who we're going to announce it to. Ready? And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, about them. And they were terribly frightened. Who is it that first hears the announcement that the King has been born? Shepherds. Shepherds. You say, Pastor Mike, I get that. I've heard that before. I mean, okay, I've watched the Christmas plays, the the shepherds. What's so scandalous? What's so crazy about that? Do you know who the shepherds were? 
Well, yeah, they kept sheep. Okay, I get it. Let me tell you who the shepherds were in that day. The shepherds in that day were the deadbeats. They were the men of lowly reputation. They were the criminals. They were the crooks. Uh, One commentator said shepherds had a low reputation and were looked upon with great suspicion. If you're walking down the street and with your kids and a shepherd comes towards you, man, you're crossing on the other side of the street because you don't trust them. They're criminals. They're crooks. They're on the fringe of society. They're not the ones hanging out at the temple. They're not the religious crowd. They are the, they are the sinners and the lowly of society. Now watch this. This ought to grip your heart tonight. Watch this. Why in the world would the God of heaven announce the birth of the Son of God to a group of shepherds first? Why didn't you go to the temple, God? Why didn't you go to Jerusalem where all the religious people hang out? Why didn't you go where all the priests and the Pharisees were hanging out? Of all the people that you could announce the birth of the Son of God, The first group you went to were a bunch of deadbeat criminals, crooks on the fringe of society out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Here's the great truth I want you to hear tonight. Watch this. In Mark chapter 2 verse 17, Jesus said of himself, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, Jesus was saying, I did not come for those who believe they are religious and don't even think they need a Savior. I have come for those who know they're broken, know they're sinful. And Jesus realized that and first went to the shepherds, not those who didn't think they needed a Savior. That's good news for you and for me here on Christmas Eve 2,000 years later. The announcement of the Savior came not those who saw themselves as righteous or religious or morally upright. He came to those who were broken, they were sinful, they were ungodly, they had nothing to give, they had nothing to offer. And here's the bottom line. They knew it. They didn't come with any religious pretense. They didn't offer any religious accomplishment. Nothing they had done. In fact, when the angel came and announced this, guess what? Here's what the Bible says, verse 10. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. They were afraid because the angels, again, the angels are not little cotton balls floating around. This angel is a majestic being. And at the same time, when you're a criminal and you're a crook and you know you're a criminal and you know you're a crook and you know you're far from God and an angelic being shows up, guess what you're thinking? My time is over. (laughs) This can't be good for me. Can't be good for me. (laughs) Now watch this. On verse 10 says this. For behold... Now some of you I'm praying read and hear verse 10 and 11 personally different than you maybe you've ever heard it in your entire life. The shepherds heard it in an amazing way. Listen to what it says. I want this verse up on the screen. It says this. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. Shepherds, I got a message for you. And the shepherds are going, for us, 
What, what about those in Jerusalem? What about the religious people? No, no, shepherds, for you. Verse 11, watch this. For today in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, there has been born, listen to this phrase, for you, for you, for you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I don't think I could even begin to convey the weight of how they had to hear that message in that moment. Hold on a second. A Savior has come and been born, the Messiah that has been promised, this one that we've heard about. We know it's for those folks. A Messiah, a Savior has come for us, for you. I don't know how you hear this tonight, but this would be the same this would be the same as an angel going on death row to a group of criminals who are sentenced to death and saying, guys, you're free. Someone has come. Someone has paid your penalty. They have paid your debt. They're going to take your death. They're going to take your penalty. You guys are free. And it would be like, for us? The shepherds in the story are those who expected judgment and received grace. The shepherds in the story are those who deserved judgment and were introduced to a Savior. That phrase ought to jump off the page to us tonight. For to you in the city of David there has been born for you, for you, Savior, Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Wrap up the story, verse 12. This will be a sign for you. Angel continues speaking to the shepherds. He says, this will be a sign to you. You're going to find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Why would that be a sign? Well, you're going to go in Bethlehem. And again, there was no star at this point. The star comes later. How do you find this baby? It'll be the baby born in a barn. That's the way you'll find it. Wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. The one angel is now joined by a multitude, an army of angels, and they are declaring, they are saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom God is pleased. These shepherds have heard the message of God's glory. They now see the manifestation of God's glory with these angelic beings, and they realize they have heard, what's this? They have heard the message of the glory of God. And here's the message. Psalm 145. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. These shepherds who expected judgment, watch, heard grace. Heard grace. These shepherds who deserved judgment heard a message. Of grace and the glory of God is revealed in the fact that he extends grace and compassion and mercy to those who are undeserving to those who deserve judgment as as revealed by these deadbeat criminal shepherds out on the fringes of society the first announcement of the birth of the Savior comes to them that's good news how'd they respond very quickly and we're finished when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, 
Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds made no bones about it. They didn't say, oh, this thing that we've discovered or oh, this truth that we've sought out. God has come to us. God has made himself known to us. There's a pattern here of God reveals and then there's a response. I pray that there's a pattern for some of you tonight that God reveals his grace. You realize, man, I'm that shepherd in the story. And then there's a response of faith. God makes himself known to these shepherds. God reveals his son to these shepherds. Verse 16. They came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph. And the baby as he lay in the manger... When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about the child, and all who heard it wondered. There was a wonder there of the things which had been told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart, pondering them there, and the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as had been told all right. So, Pastor Mike, what are we going to do with all that here on Christmas Eve? Some of you say, I, I kind of heard that story before, some, some new aspects to that story. Here, here's what I hope you see in this story tonight, maybe for the first time, and I'm going to apply a couple things, and then we're going to wrap it up. I want to ask you this question. Who in this story, who in this story do you most identify with? You say, well, man, I can identify with Joseph. I can identify things not going my way and things being chaotic. Maybe you can identify with Mary, you know, all the pressure and the stress. I, I get all that. It's been what my year's been like. Let me just tell you, in, in this moment for the next few minutes, here's who you and here's who I am in this story. I am one of the shepherds, and so are you. See, the great glory of the Christmas message and of what we just read is that God reveals His mercy and His compassion and His grace, and He doesn't come and reveal it to those who think they have everything figured out and think that they've accomplished everything to earn favor with God. God comes to those who realize, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I'm without a Savior, and God came to these shepherds and announced, a Savior has been born for you, for you, for you. There's probably two groups of people in this room tonight. There's some of you in this room tonight who you realize, yeah, that's my story. My story is, is like the shepherds. I, there was a time in my life that God just opened my eyes and, and revealed my lostness and my hopelessness and my brokenness. And he, he revealed to me Jesus as my only hope. And just like those shepherds, I responded in faith and I turned in faith and I was changed. There are many of you in this room who can give that testimony. I was like that shepherd. God came to me and changed my life. If that's your testimony in this room, you're like one of those shepherds. You have been transformed by the grace of God. Would you just raise your hand and say amen tonight or praise the Lord or something like that? Amen. Maybe to you, that group, you need to be reminded of the wonder that the shepherds had that God would come for me. Maybe you need to leave here tonight worshiping and being reminded, I wasn't seeking God. He came for me. 
I'd done nothing to deserve that, and he came for me. Maybe you need to be reminded like the shepherds after they left they went back to their shepherding and they never were the same again they could not stop talking about what had happened to them they could not stop telling about Jesus Christ but I know there are others in this room tonight and I want to talk to you for just a minute or two and then we're going to close and we're going to be finished we're going to honor your time maybe there are some of you in this room and you've heard this story before You've seen it on a Christmas card or a Christmas play. Maybe you've grown up in church or maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church. Whatever it is, maybe you came with a friend and you thought, yeah, I'm just going to go to that Christmas service. Maybe at this very moment right now, listen, God is after you. Maybe for the first time in your life, you realize tonight, yes, I've, I've, I've heard bits and pieces, but now I realize tonight for the first time, Jesus came for me. Maybe for the first time tonight you realize that I need a Savior. I need someone to take my sin because I can't do anything about it. I need someone to make me whole and change me from the inside out. Year after year after year, I struggle with trying to be good enough, trying hard enough, trying to fill this void. Nothing fills my life. Tonight, I want you to know, maybe God is after you. Because he loves you so much. And maybe tonight, like the shepherds, you for the first time see that Jesus has come for you. If that's you and you're here tonight, I'm going to ask everybody in the room just to bow their heads for just a moment. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that. But everybody in the room, just in a reverent moment, I want you to bow your head. If you're here tonight and for the very first time, you realize... Jesus came for me? You realize I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I need to be born again, made anew, transformed, and only Jesus can do it. If that's you here tonight, here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again on the third day. Jesus is willing to give life to those who will by faith call out to Him. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right there in your seat, if that's you, you realize, I need a Savior. Just right there, you and Jesus in your seat. Pray something like this. Prayer does not save you. Prayer is an expression of your heart. But if this is a desire of your heart like this, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I'm empty. Lord Jesus, I can't change myself. I give you my sin. I give you my life. And I ask you to save me. And on the authority of the Word of God, the Bible says this, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If that's you tonight, you're placing faith in the person of Jesus Christ on the authority of Scripture. He will transform you from the inside out. And I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. Say, what's next? What's our response? Well, if you're here and that's you and you either have questions about that or you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. First, if you came with a friend, I want you to tell them. I want you to share that. 
I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus into my life. I'm not sure all it means, but I realized I need a Savior. And I realized Jesus is it. Or in just a moment, there's a little card in front of you. It says, it says, get connected. It's a little card. And on that card is a place that says, I trusted Christ as my Savior. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your name on that card. And when our church rises in a moment, we're going to give this offering. I'm going to ask you just to join us and drop that card in the bucket down front. And we want to follow up with you in this decision you've made. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to move on into the last segment of our service tonight. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that you change lives. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we need you. And I pray for those right now that are struggling, wrestling with what it means that Jesus has come for us. I thank you for those in the room that have given their life to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Want everybody to look up here for just a second. Just a couple minutes and we're going to be dismissed. As Paul said earlier, we're going to celebrate now as a church family something we've been preparing for. And I want to ask you to prepare for something we call our Christmas gift. We want to end the year in radical generosity in response to the greatness of God and His grace in our lives. So just a moment, I'm going to invite you as families. We have these giving buckets down on the front. I'll invite you just to slip out from where you're seated. And we'll come kind of in a time of worship and you can drop it in those buckets. Uh, and then return to your seats, and we're going to sing and then be dismissed. If you're here and you're a guest, we, we invite you. You don't have to be a part of this, but if you'd like to, we certainly invite you to be that. But if you pray to receive Jesus Christ tonight or you have questions about that, you just fill out that little card and put your information and check that, drop it in one of these buckets. We would be honored to be able to help you in this journey of knowing Jesus Christ. All right? So again, it's time for our Christmas gift. I want to ask you to prepare for that. I'm going to move down here with my family, and I'm going to ask you now, uh, if you will, let's stand and let's begin to move forward and celebrate this time of generosity and giving as a church family, as our team leads us tonight.